Welcome to the Trinity Church Aberdeen podcast, where you can listen to our most recent sermons. To find out more about who we are and what we believe, visit trinityaberdeen.org.uk. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the peoples, chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what was written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be shepherd of my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen in the east went ahead of them until... It stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him, then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Well, I wonder this evening who you think understands Christmas best. Who who do you think gets Christmas? I mean, really, really understands it, gets what Christmas is all about and what it's for and what what it means. Who would you say? I think there's more than one right answer to that question. If you have anybody in your home under the age of 12... Uh, or in your extended family under that age, you will know one right answer to this question, won't you? Children get Christmas, don't they? Of course they do. They, they really understand it. Sheer joy, utter excitement, presence, and the wonder of a world where magic happens. And we kind of lose all of that, don't we, as we get older? I wonder how much, if you're an adult this evening, how much wonder and excitement you felt This Christmas time, I I bet your emotions have been much more to do with stress, worry, exhaustion, COVID, cancellation. Should you even be here this evening? All of those sorts of things. But children, children get Christmas, don't they? They get it very, very well. They they get what it is all about, the, the joy of receiving presents, the wonder of cascading generosity. We, we tend to use the words 
childish or infantile. We tend to use them as derogatory words, don't we? But I bet this Christmas some of us would swap what we're feeling this evening for childish wonder or infantile delight. But you know, friends, this evening there are other people who get Christmas. It's not just children who truly understand it. And I want to take just a few moments of your time this evening to introduce you to other people who get Christmas. In what we just had read for us, page 9 of your order of service, if you keep that open in front of you, you'll find it helpful for these brief moments. In what we, ha- what we have just had read for us, there are other people who get Christmas properly. The standout group are there in the opening lines, aren't they? The, the Magi from the East, wise men, or very likely kings from the East. They get Christmas. Look at it again. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, wise men, kings, came from the east to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Oh, this is a moment of utter beauty in the Christmas story. They understand Christmas. They they get Christmas because, look what it says, they have come to worship the baby. Now, maybe like you, uh, like, like you have experienced, I have been in the maternity ward several times, my own children visiting people within our church family who have had babies. And in all the, the wonder and range of emotion, I have never yet arrived at a, at a bedside of a new baby born with new parents kneeling at the bedside in worship of the baby. Wonder, yes. Amazement, yes. But worship, worship of a baby. And, and notice exactly what they say, the third line down from the top. They don't say, where is the one who has been born who will be king of the Jews? Not like somebody like Prince Charles or Prince William, born into royalty, but they are waiting, waiting, waiting in the wings. No, he has been born king of the Jews. From the very moment he emerges from his mother's womb, a king. The baby is the king. Oh, they get it, don't they? They they really get it. So, Look with me here. Children get Christmas. The wise men get Christmas. But here is what I just want to show you. There is one other person here who gets Christmas. King Herod. King Herod truly understands Christmas, friends. Look what it says. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. And all of Jerusalem with him. I wonder if you've ever realized that Herod gets Christmas. He understands it. And it is because Herod gets Christmas that he now has murder on his mind and blood will soon flow from his fingers. See how it works in the opening lines. He heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. He called together all the chief priests and teachers. Where is this king who is to be born? See, the key word in those opening lines is king. Look at it. King Herod. Kings come from the east. When King Herod heard this, where is the other one who has been born king? Ah, a clash of kingdoms. 
a clash of empires. I want to put it like this, that when people are disturbed by Jesus, then they get Jesus. Then they understand him. When people are troubled that Jesus is king, actually then they get Christmas. Herod is realizing, isn't he, right in front of his eyes, exactly what this means for him. For he is realizing that if, if Jesus has been born king of the Jews, then he is not king of the Jews. And he joins up the dots. You can almost see him doing it on the page. He's joining up the dots in an instant. He's saying, hang on a second, that there's a new king in town? King of the Jews? I, I thought that was me. We're meant to imagine Herod standing there looking at all his finery and his throne, his power, his robes, his wealth. And he says, you mean all of this is his, not mine? We've seen this, haven't we? You've seen this all the time in the world we live in. A new player arrives at Manchester United. And part of the package deal is that this new player wears the number seven shirt. And somebody in the club is dispatched with the delicate task of taking Edison Cavani, the current number seven, taking him aside and saying, look, you you know we really, really do like you. We really do like you. You are really, really, really important to us. You're amazing. You're brilliant. But here's the thing. Cristiano Ronaldo is now in town. There is a new number seven. Cavani would have known, wouldn't he, from the moment Ronaldo landed in Manchester, his days as a number seven are over. Friends, that is exactly what is happening in what we had read for us. The angel said to Mary, you will be with child, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Christmas is the announcement of a royal coup. It is an abdication notice posted in the corridors of power. It is time to step down, Herod. Your time here is up, Herod. Your days of oppressing and murdering are going to come to an end. And in those lines in front of you, Herod gets it. He understands the notice that has been posted. He he gets Christmas. Jesus is king. And so what we learn here, friends, is that Christmas splits the world in two. Some people, when they see that Jesus is king, they do what the wise men do. They come and bow low and worship. Other people do what Herod does. They fight for the throne. They stay on the throne. Their their knuckles grow white as they grip the throne more tightly. It's human nature, isn't it? People are, are like that. I'm like that. You're like that. We, we cling desperately to power. We are desperate for power. Politicians show us this all the time, don't they? Whatever your political party of choice, 2021 alone has shown us what power does to people and the extent they are willing to go to hold on to power. But it, it's what we all just show each other all the time, isn't it? Maybe you've had this already today. Here we are at quarter past seven in the evening. Maybe you've already been in this today, a kingdom clash. 
Maybe it'll be tomorrow afternoon. Maybe it won't rear its head until Christmas Day as your, your angelic little children with their new presents climb onto a throne with their toys and become little dictators. And as you watch them do that, don't you realize, ha, huh, you're just like me, just like your mom, just like your grandparents. We all do it. One of the most helpful phrases that we ever used in our house with our children when we were trying to untangle a problem together, one of the most helpful phrases we've, we've asked them is this, who is king here? In this moment, who is king, you or Jesus? Toddler, teenager, adult, we all do it. Something happens and your desire to be on the throne is matched by somebody else's desire to be on the throne and you clash Friends become enemies, relationships break down, lovers become haters. It's all that is happening on a global scale, isn't it? As nations vie for superiority one over the other. And Herod shows us here that it it does not come naturally to us to let Jesus be king. Because he gets it. If he is king, then I am not. If he is in charge, then I am not. You know, it's very possible that you've been brought here this evening by a Christian friend or a Christian family member. It's very common, isn't it, at this time of year, these sorts of services. It is wonderful to have you, particularly if this is not the kind of place you normally are on a Sunday evening. And maybe you've watched Christian people for a while. Maybe you're intrigued about what is it that Christians actually believe? What, What makes them tick, think the way that we do? What does it actually mean to be a Christian? downstairs over coffee mince pie ask them afterwards and here is what they will tell you in one way or another here's what it means to be a christian i simply think that jesus is king not me that's what it means he is king not me he calls the shots he says what is right and wrong he is the one whose voice i want to listen to above all the other voices of the world And I want to invite you this evening to take the opportunity to wonder and to investigate and to find out why might that be that we think his voice is worth listening to. Downstairs, when you go down, you'll find a couple of of booklets. I don't know if you can see them here. There's a lovely booklet called An Even Better Christmas, Joy and Peace That Last All Year. There's this other, even shorter little booklet, a white booklet called The Real Jesus. And friends, these are some of the best gifts we have to give you this, this year from this building. The opportunity to meet this king. I want to invite you maybe for the very first time to get Christmas. To understand it. To see that Christmas means the arrival in our world of a perfect king. The best of kings. I'm going to try and tell you in my next talk why that is. Why he is like that. But here's the challenge. If this evening you come here to church, look at the manger again for another year and leave again and this baby doesn't trouble you, doesn't disturb you, then you don't get Christmas. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, 
and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose, and took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea, in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled. He shall be called a Nazarene. Herod gets Christmas. He knows that he cannot be king if there is a new king, a true king in the world. And so Herod explodes into furious, murderous rage. I wonder if you've ever heard those words that we've just had read for us in our final reading. I wonder if you've ever heard them read before at a carol service. I don't think I have heard them before. Maybe they are common in some places, but they are part of the Christmas story. It is a historically true, gruesomely, factually accurate part of the story that blood flowed in Bethlehem streets because Herod understood Christmas, that Jesus was king, not him. And so for Herod, every male child under the age of two who might one day grow up to take the throne from him, slaughtered. And friends, here is why we had these words on page 12 this evening. Here's why we had them in a carol service. Because the world you and I live in is like this. Isn't that right? The world that we inhabit is like this. See, Christian people believe that God has given us Christmas. Who gives Christmas? God has given us Christmas. And God has not given it to us so that for a few brief weeks of the year we can kill ourselves with busyness or eat and drink ourselves silly while we put up temporary lights and play make-believe about a grandfather in the sky on a sleigh who gives presents. But Christmas is not about pretense and make-believe. 
No, Christian people believe God gives Christmas to the world because he is giving us the world's true king in giving us Jesus, his son. And in giving us Jesus, God is giving us the promise that one day all things will be well. One day all wrongs will be righted. All evils will be conquered. See, some of you I know, many of you I know, but I don't know all of you, and even the people that I know well here this evening, I do not know what is waiting at home for all of you. I do not know what secret sorrow you have buried down deep beneath your smiling face. But I do know the world is full of untold agonies. And one of the hardest things to believe is that God might be real and might be there in a world of pain. Can it really be true? We know that's hard, don't we? Does Christmas make it worse? Does Christmas bring God closer or make him seem further away? And Herod shows us that Christmas can come with a price tag. Aren't those awful words, the sound of a mother's wailing, refusing to be comforted? It's what would happen, wouldn't it? Your child snatched from your arms and slaughtered in front of you. The mother refuses to be comforted because her children are no more. If it can be hard to believe that God is there in a world of pain, how much harder when Christmas means the absence of children? What about Sarah Everard's home this Christmas? Sabina Nessa's home. Oh, Herod represents, doesn't he, every single world leader today who is ruling and reigning with no time for Jesus as king in any way, shape or form. Friends, Herod represents every single person in the world ruling and reigning their own lives with no time for Jesus as king. The story of the world is there in the story of Herod. And, and yet, friends, as part of this story here, in a, in a world of war and pain, Christmas is the promise of a world of peace and joy. Just as real, just as true as that awful day when the children died. Christmas is the promise of a world of peace and joy. Do you know why I say that? Do you remember what we heard earlier in an earlier reading when Herod hears about this other king? What does he do? He, he, he calls his emergency cobra meeting, doesn't he? Gets them together, gets his advisors around him. Uh, and what do they tell him? Bad news, sir. Long ago, God promised that a ruler would come from Bethlehem who would not be like you, Herod. He will be a shepherd, a shepherd, ah, a shepherd, somebody to follow. A shepherd is coming, Herod, somebody to guide us, to keep us, to feed us, to protect us, to look after us. Somebody with our own best interests at heart. God is going to send a ruler like that. We mustn't ever think, as you read the Bible, that shepherds is an image from the past as if it has no relevance today. Sheep follow a shepherd, and we all follow someone or something, don't we? We all follow someone, whether it's Ronaldo or Messi, or the latest COVID directives, or the boss at work. There are people whose guidance we are following and whose footsteps we are walking in. And the message of the Bible is that because God gave us Christmas, God is giving us the best of leaders, the greatest of kings, the most 
wise, most wonderful, most perfect of rulers. And we need this, don't we? Oh, how we need this. Our own leaders show us we need this. Sometimes you see pictures, don't you? You you see pictures of the best and the worst of what it means to be a ruler. Just think about the events of this past year. I I want to, to ask you to imagine, let's say this evening, that you are the most ardent conservative party voter in the world. And you love Boris Johnson with all your heart. Okay, you you have to imagine. Okay? Well, I have not met in this past week, I have not met one Tory voter who is not profoundly ashamed of the Prime Minister at number 10. The, the, The headline I saw this week, the best headline, it's not my party and I can lie if I want to. See what's happening? One of the highest offices in the land does not get Christmas, doesn't realize that there is another king, a higher king, but rather has elevated itself as king, doing as it pleases and as it wishes. And it leaves a bitter, bitter taste in our mouths, does it not? But number 10 is not the only picture in our world of rulers, is it? Let me flip the tables. Let's say this evening that you are the most staunch Republican, the most strongest anti-royalist. You have no time for monarchy in any form, and certainly not in Scotland. Well, I have not met one anti-royalist who was not profoundly moved at the images of the Queen sitting alone at her husband's funeral earlier this year. Whatever you think of her, whatever you think of the office, dressed in black, socially distanced, and more than socially distanced, completely alone in her grief. Do you know what I thought this week? I thought, what a contrast. What a contrast with 10 Downing Street, the highest of rulers in the United Kingdom, humbly submitting to the rules of the land. While another ruler who makes rules for ordinary people, unwilling to submit his own dwelling place to them. Oh, the contrast. Oh, the humility of true leadership, of servant leadership, the beauty of it. You know, friends, this evening, the the Christian friend, the family member who invited you along, ask them again, ask them this question. Who do you think it is that within the manger lies? Who is the child lying in the manger? Here's what we believe. See within a manger lies he who built the starry skies. It's why we sing to him. Sacred infant, all divine, what a tender love was thine. Thus to come from highest bliss down to such a world as this. Oh, there is no king like Jesus. And God has given us Christmas to give us this King. Christmas is the story of the birth of the world's true King, the greatest sovereign, the most perfect of rulers. He deserved to sit on the highest of thrones, and yet he humbly became a tiny baby, and entered our world in the darkness of a woman's womb, breathed our air, learned to eat our food, lived among us, and eventually was 
executed by the might of an occupying army and the treachery and betrayal of friends. And yet that king said that his own bloody death on the cross was why he came. It's why why Herod the king here is contrasted with the wise men, the other kings. Herod wants to do away with Jesus, but the wise men want to worship Jesus. It's very likely that these wise men, as I said, were kings from the east. Actual kings ruling empires. And in the ancient world, kings travel for only two reasons. Either to make war or to pay tribute. It's, It's the only thing that gets them off the throne and beyond the borders of their land. To make war or to pay tribute. To crush an inferior or to pay homage to a superior. It's only tradition that tells us there were three of them. But maybe there were, we don't know, the Bible never tells us. Maybe there were 30 of them. Maybe there were 300 of them. What does Matthew tell us? They fell down and worshipped him and offered him their treasures, their gifts. Maybe you don't know this, but the Bible ends in the most amazing way. The very last book of the Bible tells us that at the end of time, the kings of the earth will bring their treasures into the new Jerusalem, into the new creation. The heavenly city will come down to earth and the greatest of kings and rulers in this world will gather up all that is glorious and bright and wonderful and precious and wealthy and bring it and lay it at Jesus' feet. How do we know they will do it? How do we know that will happen? Because Matthew says they have already done it. In these wise men, in these kings, here is a picture of the end. They are leading the way for what will one day happen the world over. One day a world of pain will be replaced with a world of joy and beauty as Jesus the King rules and reigns in splendor. It's why we have no greater thing this evening here at Trinity in our church family, no greater thing to give you this Christmas than the opportunity to find out more about who this Jesus is. Don't let another Christmas go past without running an internal audit. Just stop and think about it. Up to now in life, you have tried, haven't you, being the one in charge. How's that going? I want you to leave this evening simply with this question. Is there a better king Is there a wiser king than me to rule my life and to rule the world? Ask the person who invited you, who brought you along this evening, and they'll tell you, yes, yes, there is.